Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. The key to this whole thing is sometimes we, we want to know what God's will is for us. And we're expecting some sort of banner in the sky. You know, we, we're praying and we're like, you know, Lord, just speak it loud enough, shout it, Lord, or, you know, or, or this or that. I would encourage you to, to understand this, to understand or to hear his voice concerning his will. You need to be quiet enough to hear the whisper. You got to be quiet enough to hear the whisper. Have you ever been in a room full of people and tried to have a conversation with someone? If the room's loud and there's lots going on, sometimes it can be hard to hear the person you're speaking to. We have to quiet the noise and focus on what they're saying. The same is true for the Lord. When we talk to the Lord, we have to make sure that we can hear when He speaks softly. In today's message, Pastor James shares more about how we can better hear from the Lord and learn His voice. Now turn in your Bible to the book of 1 Kings chapter 19, as Pastor James continues his message, Discovering God's Will. Stay away from all sexual sin. Well, there you go. Or sexual immorality, here's the, the NET says. That each one of you know how to possess his own body in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who did not know God. So he's addressing this group in Thessalonica where some of these things were a temptation for them. It might as well be America where you go into marketing class in, in, in college, marketing 101 is sex sells. I mean, that's it. That's day one, lesson one. You want to sell a product? Well, here you go, sex. That's how you sell products. And we know that you just turn on the TV and you can't, you can't escape it. God's will for the Christian, God's will for you and for me is holiness. Holiness in how we conduct our lives. And it even goes back to that Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We're not conformed to this world. We are not molded into the, the framework and the structure of what this world expects from us. We're different. We live different. We function different. We think differently. And this is a good place to start in trying to discern God's will for your life. Are you presenting yourself as a living sacrifice? Is your mind renewed? Do you know that he actually has a plan for your life? How about your daily conduct? Is that, is that holy? Are you considering God in all decisions in that sense? God, is this honoring to you? What a great filter to run every question through. When you come up to ones of, maybe it's the, maybe it's the big question that we all probably at one point in time had to, had to answer. And that was like, is she or is he the one, Right? Well, does that relationship bring honor to the Lord? That's, that's the filter it's got to pass through. Is this relationship bringing honor to the Lord? Lord, is, is, is this the right job? Well, does that, you, what work you do within that job, is that, is that going to allow you to bring honor to the Lord? And most jobs will, because you do all your work as unto the Lord. Unless it's sketchy or illegal, then that's a real clear answer. That doesn't pass through the filter at all. He's like, no, no, why do you even that? You don't even need to ask that one. Holy, 
distinct as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord. I mean, and you can apply that to all sorts of uh, situations and all that good stuff, but live a life that is holy, that is pleasing to him. Our choices should honor him and bring him honor and bring him glory. That's a good one. There's like no, you can't read through that and be like, I wonder what that means, right? Like this is some of those ones where you're just like, I, I think it means what it says. Yeah. It, it doesn't take much inductive Bible study to figure this thing out. You're like, oh, I, I don't even have to really interpret that too much to understand like, okay, I get it. So be holy, be holy. Now, when it comes to like those decision-making things, let's look at Proverbs 3, another common familiar passage of scripture. I could say the reference. You can probably even quote it to me. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 actually gives us a good, good idea. This is going to be 5 and 6 up here because that's the meat of it. But it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend or lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. That's a great promise. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. So just a little bit of variation as far as translation goes from New Living to NET. Your uh, New King James and ESV will probably be uh, similar to the NET. I, I appreciate the New Living Translation. Trust them with all your heart, right? You can backtrack to all these other verses there, but specifically Romans chapter 12. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Well, you're doing that as you trust him with all your heart. Nobody presents themselves as a sacrifice if they don't trust the one that they're making the sacrifice to. Trust him with all your heart. Don't depend or don't lean or don't rely on your own understanding. I love that. Don't rely on your own understanding. Why is that? Well, we know from, I believe it's in Isaiah. I think it's 55. Could be wrong on that. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. I mean, he's on a whole nother level. He sees big picture. We see small picture, right? We only see a portion of it. And he's saying, don't, don't rely on what you know or even what you perceive to understand. Instead, trust in the Lord. Lean on him. Lean upon the guy who sees the whole picture from start to finish. When you're trying to figure out what in the world to do next, this next stage of life and the next decision that needs to be made, Always, always, always consult the guy who can see the whole picture from start to finish. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend. Don't lean on your own understanding. Seek his will. So that's the same. It's just worded. It's just translated a little bit differently. Acknowledge him in all your ways. That's just another way of saying, seek his will. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Seek out his will in all your ways. Just consulting the Lord. You're facing a, a decision that needs to be made, and it's like, okay, well, before you go in, you know, seek this or that, or, you know, or even other individuals' ideas, first and foremost, go to God. Go to God. Well, I have this strong Christian believer. Go to God. Go to God. Go to Him first. Then you can go to whatever mentor you may have who please let them be in love with Jesus and following the Lord, okay? Not that the world doesn't have wisdom. They, there's wisdom that can be found within the world, but when it comes to seeking out the Lord's will for your life, you're only gonna, you're gonna find that within the word of God. And oftentimes that's gonna be through it. Sometimes another believer who is sharing with you from the word, 
giving you that, that encouragement or that maybe that uh, little bit of uh, information or whatever that you need within that moment. But always, always, always go to him first. Go to him first. Don't start off by, you know, you go to this one person because there might be a chance that they don't even give you the answer that you like. And so like a doctor, you may go to that guy and he tells you something. You're like, well, I don't really like that. So I'm going to seek out a second opinion, right? And then that's wise within the medical field, I'm sure, because doctors don't know everything. I love doctors, but they don't know everything, nor can they solve all our problems, okay? But you don't like go to one Christian and say like, hey, I'm trying to figure out what to do within my life. And they tell you something, you explain the details and all the stuff and circumstances, and they say, well, I don't think you should do that. And you're like, well, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to move on to next person. And they may say the same thing. You're like, well, I'm going to get a third witness and a fourth and a fifth. And then finally, somebody's like, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Yeah, yeah, you should just do that. And you're like, oh, I heard from the Lord, right? That's it. And it's like, no, you actually probably were ignoring the Lord and you were just looking for your own answer. But before all that stuff, you just present it to the Lord. You got decision to be made. You want to know what his will is for your life. Go to him first and foremost. And here's the thing. You go to him first. Lord, here's the dilemma. Here's the situation. What do you want me to do? And it's silent. (laughs) And that's frustrating. And that's frustrating. You open up the word, just get into the word, read through the word. Man, take this thing in. I I really firmly believe that he can lead and guide us and his will can be known just by simply getting back into the word of God. And oftentimes this is how he chooses to speak to us is through his word. It's the most common way he, he, he uses to speak through us. So you may get silence, audible silence, but he may be, that may be an indication where he's like, well, just open my word and start reading it. That may also be an indication for you to then go and ask other people. But let it always start with the Lord. Not your own understanding, but you're going to trust in him with all your heart. The rest of those verses, 7 and 8, say this. Don't be impressed by your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Like, oftentimes, these are all kind of, kind of connected there. They reading through that whole passage. Actually, the whole chapter 3 is really, is really fantastic. But trust in the Lord, man. Just, just trust in him. Don't rely on your own wisdom. Don't be impressed with your own you know, understanding and all that good stuff. No, just rely on the Lord. Just completely surrendered to the Lord. Go to him, ask him, and just trust him to guide you. He may use his word, his scriptures to guide you, which is common. He may use other believers to guide you, which again, that's, a, that's another common way. And then there's one other way that he might use to, uh, to, to clarify his will to us. And, and this, this is our next and our, our last little reference here, but it's found in 1 Kings. So if you go to the left from Proverbs, 1 Kings chapter 19, really kind of cool story here. There's a transition that's happening here as far as like will soon be happening between Elijah and Elisha. But in Elijah's life, as it's kind of, his ministry's kind of coming to an end. And he gets kind of rattled, if you know, if you know the story where he has this, First Kings chapter 18 is like this incredible um, story with Elijah facing all the priests of Baal. Or, uh, or Baal, as they say in Texas, um, as I'm, I'm a Texan. This false god, he has a showdown with these guys, and, and he proves to them that 
his God is the one true living God. And then the, the Lord answers a prayer and, and sends fire down on the altar and it consumes the sacrifice. And then Elijah, they, they slaughter all these priests. And word gets back to Jezebel, who's a crazy lady, absolutely just insane. She gets mad and then she threatens to kill Elijah. And so you got all this story going down, all this good stuff. Chapter 19, let me just, we'll just read from verse 1. The reference I'm looking for is going to be 11 through 13, but just so you understand the context. When Ahab, this King Ahab, got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message, message to Elijah. May the gods strike me. Note that that's lowercase g, and there's a plural on there. Gods strike me. And even kill me by this time tomorrow if I have not killed you just as you have killed them, the priest. Abel. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness. Let me tell you, Christians, it's not good to go alone into a wilderness, okay? Because that's going to lead to depression. He left his servant and he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. You see how bad it gets from one chapter to the next? And really, you're not even talking probably, you know, probably not even that much more than 24 hours. He just experienced tremendous victory doing what God has called him to do. And he brings, he testifies, he sees this miracle happen, and he, he takes care of these priests that were leading the nation astray. And then word gets back to, to Jezebel. He just slaughtered all these priests and one lady threatens him. And now he's asking God, please kill me. That's quite the extreme. That's also why you don't go alone into a wilderness. It's because the depression can set in. He's praying that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the, the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. We need to restore your strength. So he got up and ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. We went through the book of Exodus. We know Mount Sinai. We also know 40 days and 40 nights, okay, with Moses on Mount Sinai. So he travels there 40 days, 40 nights, gets to Mount Sinai. It says there he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And here's what God says to Elijah. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. Then Elijah heard it. He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Then he retells the story, same thing, yet he's already told the Lord. And the Lord basically tells him, Elijah, it's time for you to anoint another one. But the key to this whole thing is, sometimes we, we want to know what God's will is for us. And we're expecting some sort of banner in the sky. You know, we, we're praying and we're like, you know, Lord, just speak it loud enough, shout it, Lord, or, you know, or, or this or that. I would encourage you to, to understand this, to understand or to hear his voice concerning his will. You need to be quiet enough to hear the whisper. You got to be quiet enough to hear the whisper, meaning less this in your prayer time, less talking, just more sitting in silence. The other aspect of, of being quiet enough to hear the whisper is the chaos within your life. You got to make sure that you and I, and, and, and I, I myself need to get better at this, but placing yourself in a position physically where you, you are surrounded by peace. And sometimes that's why people have like a prayer closet kind of set up, where you can go into like a small room where maybe nobody knows you're in there. And so you can close the door and you can have that, that peace and that quiet so you can hear the, the whisper of the Lord. Because oftentimes when he speaks to us, now he speaks primarily, I believe, through his word, what he's already written down, he's already told us. But there are times where he does, like for Elijah, He's going to show up and he does want to speak to us, but it's not going to be in the wind. It's not going to be in the earthquake. It's not going to be in the fire. It's not going to be more than likely on the TV screen or on some banner being flown by an airplane around Galveston Island. Doesn't mean he can't do that, but oftentimes he shows up and it's a whisper. It's a still small voice. And we have to position ourselves to hear the whisper. If your life is so busy, so chaotic, you're not going to hear the whisper. We can't. We can't. And then we'll get mad at him for not speaking to us. But yet, we're so distracted. And maybe he actually does want to whisper to us. I do find this story so fascinating that when Elijah does hear the whisper, really what, what he communicates to the whisper is, Elijah, why are you here? This isn't where I want you. This isn't where I've called you. Elijah, this isn't part of my will. The wilderness, Mount Sinai, that wasn't part of his will for Elijah's life. But it took the Lord getting him alone in a cave and then a windstorm that's bringing down rocks, causing an avalanche and probably the thunder and the lightning. And, and this is like Exodus all over again, kind of a deal. Poor Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai has probably seen more traumatic events than any other mount on this planet, right? There was fire and, and all that stuff involved when, when Moses was up there. But it took the whisper. And I love that the question, that what it was, what God communicated to Elijah was, why are you here? Why are you here? Well, you told me to come here. Well, not, not here physically, here emotionally, here spiritually. Elijah, you're not the only one. You're not the only one. It's time to pass on the mantle. My will for you right now 
go anoint Elisha. It just, but that's the whisper. And we have to be quiet enough to hear that whisper. And, and I, he will, in those moments, I think he will make it his plan, his will clear for us. But even if he's only speaking to us through his word, we have to position ourselves to where we're quiet enough to hear him. I don't know how many times I've read through the, through the Bible, but I've had so much going on in my brain, so much going on in my brain, my head, about the things I have to get done today. And then, oh, this thing over here that I'm really worried about, and it's consuming almost all of my, my thought space within my brain. And I'm reading through scripture at the same time, and I have no clue at all what I just read because I'm not quiet. I may be physically quiet. My lips are sealed, but my mind is not quiet. My mind's racing, 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 racing. We'll never hear, we'll never hear his still small voice if we can't slow down and be quiet. So we got to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. We, ha- we have to know that, man, he is a good God and he has a plan for us. He absolutely has a plan for you. He, and he doesn't want to, he's not trying to hide it from you. He wants you to know what that is. And he, his word tells us multiple other references that we, I didn't even go through. There are multiple references where he, he wants you to know what his will is. But we need to live lives that are holy and that are pleasing to him. We need to trust in him. We need to not lean on our own understanding. And I got this, I got this, I got this. We have to throw that in the garbage because that's where it belongs. Because we don't have this. We need him. And we got to slow down. We just got to slow down. That, that was that little getaway I had, you know, whether it's, I was going to the funeral, but then my brother and sister-in-law own a cabin in New Mexico in the mountains me and three of my buddies that we used to serve together in ministry were able to finally kind of get away. We all have kids in our houses, married and all that good stuff, and uh, our houses are anything but quiet. There's more than mine because all their kids are much younger than my kids. But the one thing that got repeated over, we just stayed like a day and a half in the mountains. In the, mountains. the one thing that, we, that got repeated between the four of us is, it's so quiet up here. And it was the best ever. It was the best ever because it was in that quiet that you can just finally, your heart could calm down, mind can calm down. And then you're able just to sit there and whether it was sitting out late at night on, the, on their back porch, back deck, which is overlooking the mountain and all the pine trees and stars forever, beautiful. And you're just worshiping God just worshiping God in, in his creation. Then you wake up early in the morning, you're sitting on that same, that's all we did. We just sat on a deck pretty much and, and we admired birds and rocks. We became old men. <laughs> it was amazing. It was the coolest thing ever. But we just sat in the silence and it was like, this is so peaceful. That's what the Lord wants for our hearts and our minds. This world's chaotic. He still has a plan for us. And when we come to different crossroads and we want to understand, Lord, what do you want me to do? First, what he wants you to do is present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Well, I already did that when I got saved. No, this is a daily thing. This is a daily thing. He wants your mind renewed. He wants you to remember that he's good and that, yes, I have a plan for you. Oh, it's such a good plan. It's, a, it's an amazing plan. Live a holy life. Trust in him. Man, and just enjoy some silence. Just listen for that small voice. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for 
You've been listening to the radio ministry Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're based out of Galveston, Texas, with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you. We trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you to a point of action. These teachings are meant to help you find hope and new life in Jesus, and that's our heart's desire for you today. If you're in the Galveston area, would you come be a part of what's happening at Calvary Galveston? Our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just want to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. We also do a live stream on Facebook, so check it out, even if you are a little further away. If you're interested in hearing more messages like this one, you can do that by going to the Listen tab at breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover a little more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us here. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website too, if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We'd also love it if you would join us in praying for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share new things with you in the coming study. There's always more that we can gain from diving deep into God's Word. Until next time, we encourage you to stay connected to God and His Word, and to then come back for more solid teachings right here. We'll be waiting for you, here on Bread for the Broken.